0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Bachelor News Radio Show. On the Bachelor News Radio Network and WCOM. WCOM and Chapel Hill. Sally Bachelor, we thank you for joining us. It's always good to be here in the studio, and we we certainly appreciate you joining us wherever you are. 919-246-9639 is the number to get in touch with us. Wherever you are, we appreciate you joining us uh, this day. I'm going to go to my guest. She is a teacher at Carrington Middle School. First appearance on the Batson News Radio Show, on the Batson News Radio Network, NWCOM, of course. Thank you for uh, joining us here. Very... Good to have her on. Her name is Alicia Jones, and uh, Ms. Jones, we appreciate you coming on this, uh, this today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. So I wanted to have you on because, um, you know, uh, with COVID, uh, everything has changed, right? So, um, And it's been a, a challenge for the kids, but certainly it has to be a challenge for the teachers. Uh, talk about those challenges. I have kids... Uh, as you know, that are on Zoom every day. And, you know, the social part of it is, is missing for a lot of kids. And, uh, and they feel, some, some feel dysfunctional because of it. But what has been the challenges for you as a teacher to teach different grades and teach, um, uh, you know, remotely before your kids came back into class?
2: Well, first, I would like to start off by saying that we would not be able to educate our young people during this pandemic without our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, everyone that has stepped in and taken on a leadership teacher slash role. People are learning techniques that they've never known before. Um, And so that in itself has been an eye-opener. But to lose students that you know will flourish um, throughout a day, just having that personal contact um, is heartbreaking. Um, Just to see kids... um, just not there, just lost in the Zoom world. But since we have started reopening our schools back in Durham, we have seen a increase in participation. So that has been a good component of it. But we did lose kids in the midst of it with dealing with technology issues, just the social um, lack of socialism that they were going through, not being able to be with their peers. Uh, just not having that human contact has been detrimental, not just to the students, but to us as faculty and staff as well.
1: So you you teach music, correct? Correct. So it it's it's got to be a different challenge. I know my son played the clarinet and some other things, and they took um, the electives away uh, for the moment because of I, I don't know the, the fact that they couldn't do it. Via, you know, remotely. Um, so, you know, it shows up on his uh, on his um, you know progress report and, and and quarter reports, but it's nothing there. So, what are the specific challenges that you had to go through as a music teacher, and not? Love music teachers, you know. In that regard, it's different from math and English and things of that nature. What's the challenges you had to go through? Uh,
2: I think technology was one of the bigger challenges um, within the school district. Um, I do not have a nice studio with um, speaking and singing mics like you do here at wcomfm.org, but we have adjusted very well, and we have the support of our district um, admin and our principals have been very supported and understood that the student is a well-rounded student with the arts. Um, It is a component in their growth, in their education.
1: So when you you look at that, how was it, how did you grade quarterly um, before they started coming into class? How did did that work? Was it a fair, I mean, if if they're on Zoom, then how do you actually do that? I, and I asked the same question to my kids' teachers in terms of, you know, is there, uh, everybody seems like it's going to pass because you're in this different environment because of COVID.
2: Well, we definitely want to have grace and mercy with our students um, because it's not their fault, and we don't want any kid to feel like they're being penalized. Um, but we have different programs. Um, our Canvas program has a studio recording um device that kids can send their recordings in of their song samples or whatever song selection that they're doing and you can still grade as if they were actually singing in front of you.
1: So with recitals again my son both my sons played instruments before so they had to go to recitals and as a individual or as a group right. of both and have to have these these challenges. Um so With with that being said, um, how did you work out? Were there any kind of competitions in terms of recitals at all, or is just sort of introducing, you know, studying, understanding the music?
2: Um, We actually uh, continued on with our district um, all county choir. um, Our lead in our district who is Jeremy Tucker has done an excellent job with making sure that we have the proper programs so we can record our students and merge those recordings in that if it was an actual concert. So we've put on a virtual all-county course. Um, we're looking to put on some spring concerts as well. So it, um, we slowed down a little bit, but we didn't skip a beat.
1: Uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Alicia Jones. She's a, uh, a music teacher at uh, Carrington Middle School in Durham, uh, here on the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and, of course, our, our folks here at WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carborough. Um, so, how, you know, I think music, I love music. So, music is always going to soothe the soul, right? You're a music teacher, Definitely. you understand it. So, how important was it? for you to continue doing what you do for the morale of the kids and even the, the, the teachers like in terms of just making sure that what you do as a music teacher and putting forth this even in a zoom or remote uh, method uh, was important for the morale of the kids.
2: We have students that before pre-COVID, before COVID, um, they were stronger within our arts program, whereas they may not have been able to sit still in a language arts or, or a math class or a social studies class, but they were able to get on stage and perform and shine. And so we took that to the advantage of giving kids still that opportunity um, to shine within our arts program and didn't be in a park, feeling like they still had their family within the school.
1: So uh, the the final question for you now, I know uh, kids have been coming back. I know you had your sixth graders and all the kids have been coming back. Um, what is this going to look like, you know, uh, with COVID still in the midst? I mean, it, it's, it's certainly going to be different. But what, what is it going to look like? In, in, and feel free to give some some shout-outs if you want to uh, to the school.
2: Well, first of all, Carrington Middle School with um, the none other than Holly Emanuel, principal, and the assistant principal staff there and um, Terry Applewhite is our elective uh, dean of students and assistant principal um, it we don't know what it's going to look like all we know is what we're doing right now we're going to make sure that the kids are social distance we're going to still give them that opportunity to educate them and push them in high order thinking we're going to still give them the arts where they can be creative and express themselves um, we're going to still allow them to socialize to the best of our ability hand washing following all cdc rules that we possibly can that's all that we can do at this moment has
1: that been real tough for you guys Did it, when you go in and you know all the the good intentions are there but you know stuff happens some kid sneezes or something happens and then you start adjusting things on the fly has it been really tough with the kids coming back
2: Actually, the kids have been very helpful. Um, they're maintaining their distance. They're wearing their masks. They understand the importance of just doing what their, their part so they can get back to what we consider to be normal within our school system.
1: Well, I, I applaud you. I, I, Thank you. I, I, just, I mean, it's, listen, <laughs> COVID, my new name is Daddy. It's not LA or anything. It's daddy because it's been a challenge for me being home. So I have a renewed respect. I already have respect, but I have a renewed respect for teachers and what you guys uh, uh, do with our our kids, and I appreciate it. Uh, Shout-outs if you want.
2: Well, I just want to say thank you to all our parents out there. Thank you to the mothers and fathers that are juggling teaching and working at the same time. You are our heroes. Um, My daughter, Atlanta, I want to say hello. Um, She just got her acceptance into Elon for, uh, um, Elon University for law school. And she is a product of Durham Public Schools education. Um, So it does work. It does work.
1: Well, big ups to her and and Elon, the Phoenix. She's a Phoenix now. Definitely, so. definitely. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm big. I'm a, a big fan of Elon. A very good school uh, in in Burlington, but it, uh, more importantly, I, I I truly appreciate what you do. Um, it's it's not easy, what you do, and and trust you being a parent and a teacher. I'm just a parent. You are a parent and a teacher, so. You know, you got that double whammy thing going on, and I I appreciate you, and I'm sure the folks at uh, Carrington uh, appreciate you as well. Thanks for coming on this evening.
2: Uh, Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Alicia Jones, she is a uh, music teacher at uh, Carrington Middle School in Durham. It works. It's been working, and um, we certainly appreciate her and her efforts. This is the Bachelor News Radio Show. Stay tuned. Back to the show. Don't forget if you missed any part of our broadcast. you can go to our website, uh, the Pro, and listen to the show in its entirety at 8 a.m. and 3 pm. Eastern time uh, at that website every day at the Bachelornews at Speaking of that, my next guest uh, airs uh, his show on Saturdays there on the Bachelor News Radio network. He is a senior pastor at Maximum Life Worship Center in Greensboro. And the uh, host, of course, if you will, of the Life Cafe broadcast. It airs, as I mentioned, every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Pro, He is Pastor Omar Rojas. And Pastor, is uh, always a pleasure to have you on, sir.
3: Absolutely, always a pleasure to, to, be, to be on with
1: you. Thank you so much. And I always have you on, you know, you always have great answers for some thought-provocative uh, uh, topics. And, you know, I wanted to have you on. We just finished this election, and, you know, even with that, people want to feel like they can breathe now. Uh, um, um, the vaccine are on the way, so they say. And, um, you know, people are trying to look for hope. There's still a lot of divide. As you know, we don't have to get into all the the political stuff. But there's still stress, and there's still people who want to have some sense of normalcy, some stability. So with scriptures and what you would say um, just directly, what would be the thing that you would say in regards to what the word would say in terms of applying some faith and some instructions to your life to make people feel better and, and know that it's going to be better. Right.
3: Uh, it, it is, uh, you know, facing a lot of challenging times. You know, it would be nice if there was just one thing going on that we, we can kind of process, but uh, um, the way society and, and the way life is, is right now, it's uh, a lot of things all at one time. Um, but, you know, you know, we all... We all face a lot of things, you know. Even you know, beyond what's what's going on in our in our world today, we, we face a lot of challenges from from day to day. And so, you know, for for those of us, you know, believers, you know, it's it's one of those, as the scripture would say, to you know, to hold fast to our uh, profession of faith, you know. And and another that says, you know, you know, in, in due season we'll, we'll reap if we faint not. And so, challenging as as, as things are right now, we still do. That. Uh, have to look to God. We have to look to God in, 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 in these situations, and, and, and again, hope fast, believing that that He will, you know, show up as He as He has in times past. And one of the things that I I do personally is is, is I reflect on different times that that He has uh, come through for me. You know, of course, while I was going through a specific something, uh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see a way out. You know, but hindsight, I can see where you know He uh, showed up for me, and so you know, I personally take you know take the time to look back at those times and and remind myself that you know even though I may not see in the way I want to see him in this, you know in this situation, he's proven to show up before and you know with his um, track record, if you will, it gives me personally the encouragement I need to to, to keep going because he's always shown up. for me.
1: He's just joining us. We're talking with uh, Pastor Omar Rojas uh, on the Baxter News Radio Show on the Baxter News Radio Network. Pastor, do you have you had to do much counseling if you will, uh, many of your sermons uh in the midst of this virus uh even, you know, leading up to it uh and with the chaos of the political uh, climate, the, the racial co- climate, have you a- had to do more in that that area because of it?
3: Uh I wouldn't say I've had to do more, but I uh I, with with those particular things in mind, but maybe as a as a result of you know it's just a culmin, a whole bunch of things a culmination of things but there has seemed to be um more more conversations and 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 you know um advice giving if if I can just use the proper terms uh, tonight <laughs> you know, just a more uh, wisdom giving uh, at this particular moment because uh, as, as we're talking as we're talking about you know there there seems to be a lot of things going on and uh again i I, I believe it's just because of all of these things all happening all at one time, you know, COVID-19 and, and and what we've been living through this pandemic. We've been living through for, oh, I'm not sure how many months now, uh, roughly since February or March of yeah, this about, year.
1: About nine months, um, I believe.
3: Yeah, so months, it's, yeah. it's been some time. And, you know, people are going through some things, you know, the the whole quarantine and, and you know, essentially being isolated. And I think we talked about this before in the previous show. Uh, you know, some, you know, some people are being locked in places that they don't want to be in. You know, when, when we're talking about home, you know, in a home situation, um, and so you know, the difficult difficulties that come from that uh, have, have been very real. And so, yeah, we, we we've we've done a lot of I don't want to say counseling, but a lot of uh, advice giving as a result of a lot of things that have been going on in 2020.
1: You know, the one thing I saw again, not to get too political or anything, but uh, when President elect Biden was deemed the winner and at 270 electoral votes. Uh mm-hmm. you saw masses of people all across the country and even you know other countries uh as well dancing in the streets and excited <laughs> and yes. and crying and relieved. Um do they miss though even believers do, do they miss at the end of the day that With everything that was going on, and again, just, you know, trying to, not to to be biblical as, as, you know, you're the, the scholar, but did they miss that God is still God? Did they miss the point? Are they are you thinking they're getting that i mean because they sell you know the the wicked witch is there you know if they're not a trump supporter, so they're dancing in the streets and and doing all these things are, are do you feel like we're not getting the point after all that's gone through and after all we're still going through
3: i, I do think that we have um just as 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 believers in in general it it, it almost seems and, and you hit the nail on the head um uh, in asking the question, is that you know? I, I think we've lost sight of the fact that that as believers that, that you know we sh- we should and ought to believe that God is in control, and I think we've 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 lost sight of that as a whole. Not everybody, but just you know as a whole. And 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 honestly speaking, um, there have been uh, some people that are close to me that that. That have it, it, I, I just have become really disappointed because of it seems as if we have more faith in the presidency than we do God, and um, it's it, it, it's it's been dis, dis uh, disheartening and and, and disappointing the last couple of weeks or a week or so however long it's been just seeing you know again more faith in the presidency than 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 in the God that we uh, say that we serve and in the, the God that we believe in and follow and have. Given our lives
1: yeah i was I was talking to someone that uh, it mentioned that and, and and basically was was saying that we should not lose our way that uh, if wow. we feel again if you're anti-trump in this particular case or any any position that your candidate won, you feel like yes, your vote counted, but now is a new day from your behalf, if you voted that way. But it's a higher power. It's a higher uh, position that allowed your candidate to win. And I don't think that uh, some people understand that. And it was uh, an old friend of mine that was uh, pointing that out to me today. But your, your thoughts on that?
3: Well, but that's, that's absolutely true. It's, you know, it's like the Bible says. God, you know, God puts up one and takes down another. Um, so, you know, who's in office, whether we like it or not, <laughs> you know, um, has, has been set there by God as believers, even if we don't agree with what, whatever the turnout is or was, or I don't even know the correct term to put at this particular point. Um, uh, you know, our, our position has to always be a position of prayer, you know, regardless of whether we like the candidate or not, or whether we agree with, 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 you know, you know, their policies and so on and so forth. Our, our, position has to be a position of prayer um and, you know uh, because you know, as, as the bible says you know the heart of the king is in the lord is in the lord's hands um and so and and he confirmed that heart so you know you know again we have to really really have a, a position or even a posture of prayer uh, for leaders again whether we like them or not and that's the hard part um because <laughs> And this is this is going to be tough, but, you know, we, we oftentimes only pray for the people that we like, um, but that's not what prayer is about. And so, uh, again, we have to pray for our leadership, uh, whether we like them or not, uh, so that, you know, we can see God move on, you know, on our behalf, on the people's behalf.
1: What do you think of, I was reading online for um, some, it was a Christian site, and there were some people that said, you know, uh, A, you know, God doesn't make accidents. There's no accidents. Everything okay. is right. right. But, but mm-hmm. B, that this COVID is... I, you know, a lack of a better word is you know something that God allowed to bring people together to to uh, send a clear message. To, is that what you understand?
3: Um, I, I can I can understand that, um, but I I can also you know say that it, it could be the result of, of poor decision making or or even based on how it spread. Uh, you know, for some not all. You know, uh, through touching things we're not supposed to be touching, you know, you know, so, and, and, and look at the things that we have to do. We, you know, we have to cover our mouths or we have to clean our hands, wash our hands, you know, before, during, after, you know, we have to be a little bit more, uh, conscious of, of, of the things that we're touching. So, you know, does God allow things? Absolutely. And, Is it to bring people closer together? Is is it it to? I I wish I could. You know, I had the answer for that, but you know, as as the Bible would say, that a curse causeless does not come. So there is a reason, a reasoning behind you know COVID nineteen, and I'm not trying to you know say it's something political or it's the government, or I'm not saying any of that. Um, I'm just, you know, simply, you know, from the Bible standpoint, the cur- a curse causes does not come. So it could be re- the result of, of of poor decision-making years ago or whatever the case may be. Um, but but it, it's not, as we would say, happenstance that COVID-19 is, is, is here.
1: You know, what would you, final thoughts, what would you, what scripture um, would you uh, refer people to? Uh, I know people at this point want stability, they want peace. Uh, they, they want um, hope. They want to know that it's, it's going to be okay. And, and certainly we can go to the Word to find it. But what would you um, put out there for people to kind of read and get some encouragement?
3: Right. Now, I would, um, and, and it's a super, super familiar passage of Scripture um, um, that I'm, I'm actually going to probably read really quickly. Uh, sure. Sure. And it is uh, and again, something we probably all heard at least twice in our life. This might be the second time for somebody uh, um, but and, and uh, romans eight 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose um, and, and 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 that's the scripture that gives us hope. Uh, I do want to I, I do want to add not to the scripture but but add to the context of the scripture uh, because uh, you know a lot of times especially you know in the church or as believers we say this all, you know often that 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 you know things work together um, f- the way we state, state it really is is they, they work for my good but that's not what the scripture says the scripture says that things work together for good right. Um, and so here's the thing, and I think I said this in a previous, uh, broadcast or interview, um, and, and that's this is that I have to make sure that my good and God's good look the same. And, uh, because again, the scripture says for good to them that love God, not my good, but good. Uh, I, I say that because all these things, these, these experiences that we're having, these situations that we're facing, these dilemmas, these issues, and, you know, whatever word we want to use tonight, it's going to work for good. Um, and, and, and here's the beauty of, of it working for good, and that's this, is that this, this passage of Scripture talks about things working for good. These things work for good when we process them in prayer. So 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 tonight, if I can encourage anybody um, in, in situations and in, things that we're going through, is that to always keep that, commute, that line of communication open with God. Always keep committing things to prayer. I know it doesn't seem like it's working. I know it doesn't seem like God is moving, but if we continue to process these things in prayer, even when they're not moving, even when things are stagnated, uh, not again, not moving, if we continue to process those things in prayer, continue to... to, to you know, share our hearts with God. You know, the, the the parts we want to share and the things that we don't want to share with God. If we continue to process those things out in prayer, that's when Romans eight twenty eight is is literally unlocked for us, where things start working together for good when we process these things in prayer. So I encourage you, uh, for those you know who 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 would like to read the Bible, go back and actually read Romans eight uh, in its entirety. And you'll see and be able to capture that Romans eight twenty eight comes after prayer. Um, so, you know, a lot of times we get mad with God because things may not be working for our good. But my question is, is have we really processed these things in prayer? Have we really committed these situations uh, and circumstances in prayer? So uh, I, I don't want to uh, go over my time. I, I know that I'm long-winded, no, <laughs> but... Fine. But please, by all means, continue to process these things in prayer, and then we will see these things work together for for good.
1: And it's funny, too, uh, uh, Pastor, that someone had emailed me. You mentioned purpose, and uh, someone emailed Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And uh, someone also wrote uh, or sent in, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that's Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my actual favorites, too. Uh, Pastor, uh, before you go, uh, please do let people know where they can find your church, your your church times, and all of that information, sir.
3: Absolutely. Uh, We are, and I say this often, we are, are located in the great metropolis of Greensboro, North Carolina, Uh, But we are on 29, we are at, excuse me, 2902 East Market Street, again in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, Our service times, we have uh, what we call Life Cafe, uh, which is also our radio broadcast on Saturdays, right? uh, Between 5 and 6, Saturday evenings, I'm sorry. Um, But we have our Life Cafe, which is our version of Bible study at 8.30 a.m. on Sundays. And then we go into prayer and uh, the service right at 9.15. Uh, and, of course, we do have Bible studies on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, that's Maximizing Life Family Worship Center, home of the Max Life Church. That's the main, That's the uh, Facebook page. Uh, you can go there uh, and, and and hit like, and, and you'll be able to uh, stream live with us there. Uh, but we would love for you to be our personal guest. And if, if I can have just about two seconds. Uh, this coming Thanksgiving, uh, we're having what we call Feed 500. Uh, we are, are feeding the, what we call the transitional community, uh, otherwise known as homeless. Uh, we, we, we do this every year, been doing it for six years. Um, and, and we definitely do need your help. Uh, the, the, the best thing that I can tell you to do, if you, if, if you can help us, if you can go to our Maximizing Life Family Worship Center page on Facebook, you'll be able to see the information that, 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 uh, of the things that we need. We need volunteers, and we just need, we need help, again, uh, volunteers, and, and we just need, uh, uh, again, food to be able to uh, serve the community. Um, so, uh, again, Facebook, Maximizing Life Family Worship Center, home of the Max Life Church. Uh, if you go there, all the information you need for fee five hundred is there, and you can uh, get that contact information from there um, and and we would love for you and we would we would really honestly bless God for any kind of help that you uh, would be able to help us
1: well, Pastor.
4: Can you focus on me, me? Hands in the soap, how the faucet's running and I keep looking at you. Stuck on your phone, now you're stuck in your zone. You don't ever quit, but I don't wanna give up. Baby, I just want you to get up.
1: to the show. Thank you for joining us joining us on the show. We appreciate it. It's the Bass News Radio Show on WCOM in Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina, the Bass News Radio Network, IBM TV, and of course uh, newly uh, to the network uh, in terms of sharing uh, Big Mind Entertainment where you can watch the show on on uh fire stick and Roku. Cool. want to bring in my guest she's a licensed therapist and life coach and host of a dose of the dime with yanni knox so you can talk about that uh that airs on this network she is yanni knox and uh appreciate you coming on young lady
5: i'm here can you hear me
1: oh yeah i can hear you uh we appreciate awesome your job. patience Awesome sauce. Boy, okay, we're going to talk about the awesome
6: sauce <laughs> at another time.
1: <laughs> been hanging out with some other people. But anyway, um, I, so I wanted to have you on as we we talk about, and let me just say this. I, I had a conversation about, you know, black relationships and, and black love and marriages, something that you and Lakeisha and Tanisha has been talking about uh, gratefully and thankfully on, on these airwaves. And you know, some people have take issue with it. Uh, People that look like us, people that don't look like us. Um, And I had to explain that it's not a, it's it's not an anti, other ethnic group or other group. It's a pro, black. You know what I mean? So it's not. We're not here. I'm not here to say this is better or whatever. We're just focusing on. You know those types of relationships, so I, I wanted to put that out there. You could comment on that as well. But um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is being, in that vein, the unapologetic as a a black person in a black loving relationship, whatever that relationship looks like. Number one, um, and and the fact that we. We need to have these conversations, I would think, yawne, because of the the high divorce rates we have. you and I have been there, done that, and mm-hmm. you know to improve on ourselves so so talk about that to, to be unapologetic and to have these conversations, not to be anti whoever, but to be pro black there's nothing wrong with that
5: right, so okay, let me first address the elephant in the room. I am a biracial woman, however. Um, right. I was raised in a black household um, right i I was adopted by two loving black family members who um, you know loved me the best that they could and i I am eternally grateful to them. And I'm grateful to my mother because, you know, she gave the ultimate sacrifice. So let's talk about that. Um, that out there. But um, I wholeheartedly believe in black love. And not to say that there's anything against any other type of love. But hear me out. It's kind of like the Black Lives Matter movement. It's not necessary right. to say that any other lives don't matter. But until we get our fix, until we get ourselves together, our situation settles, we can't say all oh, lives matter. We can't say let's talk about love as in just regular love. We have to focus on what's in front of us, what's at home for us right now. And that's not please, that please. judgment.
1: Please, Please please say that again. Please say that because that All Lives Matter thing is a talking point, and it's a defense mechanism for Europeans that have have issues with Black Lives Matter. But the, 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 just preach that again. The Black Lives Matter, All Lives Can't Matter because All Lives is not getting killed by police and so on and getting discriminated and so on and so forth. So please bring that home again to what you said.
5: Okay, so what, the way I explain it to most people is, to think about going into a child support group like for, chi- for children who have passed away. So being a parent going into a child support group, listening to a parent who has lost their child to cancer or to um, any other of the life-ravaging diseases and say, well, you know what, my child died too um we well, are not talking about your child right now we're not saying your child doesn't matter we're talking about the whole premise of, of of what's going of death in itself and until this child's death matters no children's death matters does that make sense it's kind that of that makes
1: like a lot of sense
5: fighting a firefighter going to a block where a house is on fire and hosing down The other houses, as opposed to attacking the fire. Well, the house that's on fire is the one that needs the attention. So we should hold that house down before we start worrying about the other houses first. So. uh,
1: It that's right, and this to to further that point. um, to, To your point, you mentioned cancer, or even let's say COVID. Right, COVID affected. Everybody, all colors and ethnicities and everything. But, of course, COVID of course, was worse in, in, other, in certain communities of color uh, based on healthcare, healthcare. So we have to address, so have to address, those, address things. those things. It, it well, really has to be about those things. But uh, I, I'm glad that you, you brought that out. So if you're in this, these relationships, um, some of the things that I've heard, and you being a therapist and understanding, understanding is that we, that we, we have, we have for, some reason, for some reason, we have this self-hate gene that that, 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 that we, we deal, with, deal with that seems to be an issue in our relationships. Talk yeah. about that, the fact that yeah. they're, they're, if we're not together in terms of ourselves, if we're not loving ourselves... Um, how do we be proud black men and women if we're not even proud of ourselves individually, as, as, as just as a human being? Mm.
5: Well, I would start by saying that we we tend to romanticize this whole concept of black love. Um, black love is not to say that we don't have problems. We all have problems. All races, all people have problems. We don't romanticize it and say it's not there. We just tend to love each other in spite of the problem and loving ourselves because of the situation that we've been in. We come from a base of, of uh, uh, trauma, and unfortunately, we are, our, our trauma is specific to the African-American community. And it is helpful when we, someone that looks like us, representation is definitely a thing. When somebody looks like us is trying to help us out, it, it helps us more to cope with the different traumas that, one, came to us generationally from slavery and from racism and everything else, but also oppressively because of the climate that our, our people have been put in. We just recently felt, not celebrated because that's the wrong word, we recognized the 100 year centennial of the Black Wall Street and basically... It was a, what would have happened to us as a people had that space survived? Economically, where would Tulsa, especially the African-Americans in Tulsa, where would they be had that place been allowed to continue to exist? And because some of that, that was robbed of us, because that was robbed of us not once, but twice. Um, how is it that, you know, we, we, where would we be if that were still a safe? So to see other people like ourselves driving, driving, and um, making moves, it is a healing thing for us. And the same thing with relationships. When we see people who are in love with a, you know, an African-American person and you are African-American, it makes you feel some kind of way like, oh, wow, that type of love is is just a healing thing. And until we get to that point where we can love each other in a space that is healing, we're all going to be scattered all over the place and, and probably being a detriment to each other. And it doesn't mm. start with self-love. So understanding, forgiving yourself, forgiving your parents, because a lot of our love trauma comes from our parents and, and the relationships that we have saw. If it didn't come from my parents, it came from my auntie, Titi, who had 15 boyfriends running in and out the house calling them uncle. I mean, unfortunately, we, we have gathered a lot of uh, relationship trauma that kind of pits us against each other, like just because you know somebody who is black hurts your feelings doesn't mean that someone else is going to do the same
1: it it's I'm glad you said that um because it it's a little sort of a sidebar of of what we were talking about um when you you look at when you look at the fact that um we get in and out of relationships, we have a tendency, both men and black men and women um, to bring up or to hold on to the hurt or the negative that we experienced in a previous relationship. And then we bring it in to the next one, or we have this shoe was this other shoe is going to drop or, I expect this to go bad soon type of mentality and for men and women and I'm being a man, it's, it's, it's a dead man walking as a woman. I mean, there's no, to me, there's zero chance for that black love to flourish if we're holding on to stuff from the past.
5: And I have to agree. So the only thing that I would recommend that people take from their past relationships are the lessons. What did you learn? What can you do differently? How can you make this work as opposed to not work? If you're bringing your baggage with you, like, no one will love me. The words that someone spoke to you a long time ago, no one will love me. It will never work for me. You're going to, what is it called? It's called self-fulfilling prophecy. If you bring that with you, that thought pattern, that it's not going to work, she's whatever, she's just like the other girl and yet it's not going to work (laughs) because you're manifesting that. You're putting that out there into the universe, and therefore, no, it's not going to work. The only thing you have that you really need to carry with you from the last relationship is, okay, why did it end? What can I do differently? What lessons have I learned? Even if it's to not settle for something that's not for you, because sometimes we get lonely and we settle for something that's just not us.
1: Yeah. yeah, and, and it, we do. We, we do. It really depends on, on. And I'm getting the echo in my ear on here, my uh, here. On your uh, end, on your uh, end. Uh, it really uh, depends it is, it on where, end you end where you are and, if, are and if, if you're wanting a real relationship or you're just wanting to, to to waste time. It seems like that would be the 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 situation. Uh, if you're just joining us to talk with Yoni Knox, licensed therapist and a life coach, and host of A Dose of the Dime with uh, Yoni Knox here on the Bassett News radio show. show. Um, And and Yoni, I'm getting uh, some feedback in the background there. Um, So when you're in in a a relationship and you're going back to our original um, topic and you're in black love and you're in this relationship and you're proud of the excellence and you're unapologetic, about who you are and the relationship that you have, um, how do you navigate your way through the anti? I started with this this conversation saying, you know, there are some people think, okay, if you're pro-black, you're anti-white or anti-whatever the case may be. But, It seems in this climate, especially with the dude that was here for, you know, for four years before this guy in this climate, that it's the opposite. It's other people that are anti-black, and and it's not the opposite way. So how do you you be proud and speak proud and and Black Lives Matter and, and have that loving and excellence in your relationship in the midst of this sort of hatred that's going on against people of color?
5: Well, you have to be unified. If you and your mate are together and you have decided that this is a commitment that you want to make, you have to decide to be unified, meaning no matter what is said, no matter who comes for you, no matter what the attack pattern is, you guys regroup, you think about your, what your response is, and then you move forward because, unfortunately, it's not just other people that you're going to get you know feedback from. It's going to be people within your circle that are mm. going to hate on your relationship just as, just as well. Okay, so you have to be unified in what it is that you guys are doing and have a a good communication level, a a way that you guys can dance it back and forth so that you both are always on the same page. So if somebody approaches you, it is just like they are approaching you and your mate. Mm. Your communication needs to be that tight.
1: What if it's the the split type of scenario where your mate um, is... Republican, you're Democrat, or whatever, or or your mate doesn't believe in Black Lives Matter, and you're in the midst of this relationship. You're married or whatever, and then you guys have these differences. How do you keep your blackness and your excellence there and still communicate and have that type of relationship with your spouse?
5: Well, do I understand that a relationship is not a identity. Your relationship is not your identity, okay? So at the end of the day, even when you lay down next to your mate, you are still you. When you wake up, you are still you. And unless it resonates with yourself, you should not compromise on your beliefs or anything else. But there has to be, for anyone, I would assume, needs to be an agreement between the two of you that this is how I feel, I will respect you, you will respect me, and we can move forward. Because you're right, you're not always going to agree on everything, um, on a lot of things. But definitely on these things that matter. I have seen people vote different ways and make it work. But during this last election, I've also seen people vote different ways and interrupt in, in, in like, infighting and in, in violence. So
1: Right, because real quick, Yoni, I mean, just to, to follow up on that, I mean, there is a fundamental difference between if you and I in a relationship and you know that, you know, cops are killing people of color at an alarming rate. And I go, well, you know, the police are good. That's a huge, that's a huge difference. So stuff like that is not like, you know, you voted what for one candidate or not. I mean, it Mm -hmm. it certainly leads to that. But fundamentally, that's a huge, issue in a relationship, I would think.
5: It is. But uh, but if we're talking about making it work, then you have to base it on respect. If you've already gotten into a relationship and you've not had these fundamental, by the way, because these conversations need to happen prior to a real relationship, but if you've not had these fundamental conversations and you're in this relationship and you love this person you don't want to hurt this person. That's what love is about, not wanting to hurt the other person, like putting them down almost above yourself. But in that space you want not to hurt that person. So your your agreement should be on mutual respect. That when you when we get to this subject, it is just better that we not talk about it. Because You're going to believe the way you believe, and I'm going to believe the way I believe. And unless you have questions and you are genuinely questioned what it is that I believe in an effort to understand, we shouldn't talk about it.
4: That's
5: Mm. my my opinion. Because, of course, if this is a fundamental belief, you know, and and you've already had these, have not had these conversations prior to this, then you're kind of stuck. You're just going to have to make it work. And, unfortunately, sometimes with these heated subjects, you need to just walk away from it
1: so the uh, last point or, or last question for you is how do you heal and how do you fix it if you've had mm-hmm. you're in this relationship and then you mm-hmm. and then something comes up and just is a bombshell that just kind of is really hard to kind of yeah we could agree to disagree but how do we make it work how do we heal and and fix it and move forward.
5: Well, you come back to what it was that you fell in love with them for. So what was it that, because you didn't fall in love with the belief system. You fell in love with the person. What was it that Mm. you liked? What was it that you didn't like? What was it that was so cute that you had to speak? You have to go back to those fundamental, again, and I keep saying fundamental because this is if you're there already and you find out that these, you know, oh, they have this belief system, you've kind of already kind of put yourself in the bind. So if you're not having these conversations up front and you kind of loophole yourself into them because, you know, they got cute eyes, cute butt, okay, I got you. Well, then <laughs> you have to decide. One, do I want this relationship? And if you do, then you have to say, Okay, we respect each other and even though you've hurt me with this, we're going to move forward. We're not gonna bring it up. If this comes up between a family, we're gonna quietly walk away. You have to have ground rules. There there's this is what I'm working with my teens on is setting up ground rules on how to fight. Because there are some things that you just can, you cannot grab a steering wheel in the middle of uh, uh, someone driving and try to yank them off the road. That's that's a, that's a red flag, which we'll talk about tomorrow. Anyway, but um, definitely <laughs> you want to set up these things that um, these fundamental ground rules so that you two can remain in the same space and be peaceful. And once hurt has been occurred, you can talk about it. And not in a you're right, you're wrong, but you said these things and it it triggered me, so I need to take some space. And taking a space is not a bad thing. I would rather someone take space and calm down than to get right into the heat of an argument based on short term emotion because short term emotion, making long term decisions is always disastrous. Walk away. Yeah, I... Take a break. Come back. And I've
1: had some and I've had some people, you know, in your profession who say, you know, um, it, emotions could be dangerous because people react on emotions. And they, and that can be, you know, you can't, you can, you could take some, some, some things back, but you know, some of it's kind of hard. I'm, I'm kind of getting uh long winded in my, but the, the the other thing is to <laughs> your point, to your point, Yanni, and I know I got my, my next guest, but to your point that, you know, when you, it's okay to take space. Space doesn't mean that the relationship is over. Space just no. means space.
5: Right. You know?
1: It's I like think you sometimes take a nail
5: and you hammer it into wood. You can take the words back and say, I'm sorry, but that hole still remains.
1: Right. Right. So you talked about what's coming up on your show. Your show is called uh, uh, A Dose of the Dime. I always put your name on it with Yanni Knox. Talk about your show and talk about what's coming up tomorrow.
5: Okay, so tomorrow on the Dose of the Dime, we're going to talk about red flags. And these are these things that you should be looking for uh, before you get into a relationship, when you're talking, and actually kind of early into the relationship before you get overly involved. And even sometimes we'll talk about a few that after you're in a relationship you should start to look for, because what you don't want to do, red flags are indicators that something may not be 100% what you think it is, or something may not be right, and there might be some things that you need an understanding about, or you need to check into or maybe he might or she might not be the one for you. So, definitely mm. tune in and we'll talk about that and I'll give you some red flags to look for on all levels and I'll share some stories with you and hopefully we'll have fun.
1: Okay. And what what's in your um what's on your car radio? What's in your your music box right now?
5: Oh. Well, you know, you know, I listen to Afro, Afro beats. I'm an Afro head, like Erykah Badu type of um, African P Square type of vibe almost all the time. But um, yeah, th- those are the ones that I normally listen to. I'm always kind of on the funky t- on a funky side, trying to dance somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm always feeling Erykah Badu and. And of that elk as well. Appreciate you. Love you. You be careful. And uh, we'll talk with you uh, tomorrow morning, 930 Eastern time. That'll be Eastern time, Yoni. Eastern yes, time. Yes, sir. That's, really- I, I, that's
5: <laughs> Connecticut time. That's what that is.
1: Okay. See, oh, hey, you must be loving on Connecticut. You, you're loving no, on good. Connecticut.
5: Of course. It's a wonderfully <laughs> yeah. small state. Oh,
1: okay. Uh we didn't have the to- we didn't have the tulsa thing in oklahoma but anyway oh, wow. uh we'll just leave we'll leave that right there <laughs> Yoni, oh, shade. I- i've just i gotta throw stuff you're gonna you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm from connecticut i can't help it I'm
5: uh listening. we
1: appreciate you <laughs> all right sir I'll talk have a blessed and wonderful day You do. Thank you. Yawny Knox, of course, licensed therapist and life coaching host of uh, Dose of the Diamond, airs here on the Pastor News Radio Network, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Check it out. Pros and the know start with Lowe's. Because at Lowe's, pros can get the latest power tools from trusted brands. Right now, you can buy the new Bosch Core 18-volt 2-tool combo kit for $229 and get one of three select cordless bear tools free, worth up to $199. Plus, you can save time by ordering online and picking up in-store. Stop by the Pro Desk or visit Lowe'sforPros.com for details. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. Offer valid through one 2019 All supplies last, U.S. only. radio show on the Vastor News radio network. The uh, website will be relaunching soon. Of course, you can hear uh, any of our broadcasts at the Vastor News, News airtime.pro. The show airs at 10 and 3, 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Of course, uh, also listen to the show on WCOM in Chapel Hill. And uh, IBM TV on Thursdays at 4.30. And, of course, uh, we are live on Fire Stick and Roku as well. Bringing my next guest on some hip music because he's a hip kind of guy. He is the uh, play-by-play voice for UMass Lowell Basketball and, of course, uh, uh, Nasus Media. He is Nick and Nasus. Nick, I, you know, you're a hip, young man. You're a young guy. Uh, so I got to have some, some hip, funky stuff for you to come in on when I introduce you, sir.
6: I appreciate it. Last time it was Nas. This time it's Pharrell. So I think we're two for two, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, got to have that good stuff for you coming in. Um, speaking of stuff and bad stuff, uh I'm a huge Sixer fan, as you know. And listen, I I, I had the Hawks losing this series um, just because of what Philly's doing. The the Nets were down. I'm like, good, okay. Um, you know, they got injuries. Maybe Philly can get Milwaukee. I like the matchup there. All of a sudden, <laughs> the Nets are back up. And Philly can't get out of their way. So my, my thing with Philly is this. Win or lose, whether they make it to the finals, win the finals, lose against Atlanta, whatever. The the issue can't be the coaching anymore. The issue for me, and I've said this for the last two years, is Ben Simmons. You can't go into two fourth quarters at 6'10", as point guard, and not score any points. You just can't do that. You can't blank in the fourth quarter. This is the playoffs. We need you to score. You can't give us eight points and nine assists in a game. Now, they blew it, and that's a team collective issue in this last game. But the issue to me, Nick, is Ben Simmons. They got This guy's got to go if he's not going to improve his free throwing, his jump shots, he doesn't have a lot of confidence shooting in general. Philly's issue for me comes down to that point guard and Ben Simmons.
6: Yeah, you're probably right. I don't think I offensively this is probably as good as it gets. Um, you want to keep him around as a defender, as a second, maybe third, shouldn't 3rd you off the then fine. But, but if he's going to stay around, I think they need to define his role a little better. I, I don't think he's got that alpha dog mentality, though, either. I don't right. think he's a guy that's, you know what I mean? I don't think he's the guy where things tight in the fourth quarter. He's going to hold others accountable. He's going to demand the basketball. He's going to try to make a play. Uh, he, he just doesn't have that. So, so moving forward, I, I think again you got to another score. You know, and him, you know, create. Let him rebound. Let him defend. he's good at, but second score with a. Mentality that's not going to keep his mouth shut and disappear down the stretch like we saw happen tonight.
1: Okay, and you're just so you know, you're breaking up really bad. I heard you just want to make sure that we the um, the nation can hear you. Um, with that being said on the other side with Atlanta, uh, Trey Young is a phenomenal player. And I'm not just saying it's because they're playing Philly, so hear me out. I've said this even before this with Trey. Do you think it's fair the way he, in some cases, in a lot of cases, initiates fouls? I mean, you know it's coming. He deliberately, in some cases, backs up to push the player into him to draw the foul. Do you think it's, it's a good thing um, that he gets away with in the bigger picture that the NBA doesn't make those calls?
6: Well, he's taking advantage of the, the new school rules, right? I, I mean, the officials have, have worked against the defense legislatively season after season now for the better part of a decade. It is tougher now than ever to play defense, especially on perimeter. So, so I think guys like, like uh, James Harden, obviously, I think is the poster boy of that. Comes to mind yeah. now, Trey Young, just taking advantage of the space, particularly facing when it comes to the new rules. So whether it's a head fake, whether it's a step back, whether it's it's leaning into the defender, um, the game has been legislated the last ten years or so uh, because the league wants more points. You know, same thing with the NFL, by the way. Same thing with the NFL. It's harder to play defense. There's more penalties on the defense. More spacing allowed to, in this case, you know, the players on the perimeter. Uh, Leagues want points. They want scoring games. That correlates with more views. So to Trey Young's credit, and I'm not saying it makes a good brand of basketball because I don't think it does. I think it slows the game down and it becomes a free throw contest. Um, but, but, But can you fault Trey Young for adapting his game to maximize his game and play within the parameters of the rules, I don't think you can talk uh, what he's been able to do. I do think the league should take a hard look at, at some of this stuff because I do think it's gone uh, a little bit too far in terms of what's allowed, what's not allowed defensively on the perimeter particularly.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Just joining us to talk with Nick Anastas here on the Bassett News Radio Network, WCOM in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, IBM TV and Big Mind Entertainment on TV. Uh, Nick, you know, I really, going into this playoffs, had zero faith in the Milwaukee Bucks. Um uh It's not just to say that Giannis is made, I, I won't say a bust, but not getting it done, but this franchise is not building around him, I think, enough. Along with him to get it done, and you look at a game where they <laughs> Brooklyn had no James Harden, or they had Harden for a little bit, and then uh, certainly no Kyrie. Yet they and they were down a bunch of points. Yet they come back and win. Now, is this a reflection of this Bucks team, or is this? the talent of the Brooklyn Nets because I think it's the, the foreman.
6: We'll see what happens tonight. They're, uh, they're favored tonight on their own floor. So if this thing goes seven, then all bets are off. Um, I, I felt like, to Mike Patton's point, they had been they had been playing well at the end of the regular season, Milwaukee. Um, they had taken their losses. They got, kind of learned how to lose, which if you look historically, that. That seems to, to precede any good team. they they got to lose first, um, and maybe this was their year. It seemed like, as you said, the stars were kind of lining up uh, with the back-to-back big injuries with New Jersey, or Brooklyn, rather. But what we saw the other night, I think, was just Kevin Durant uh, on a whole nother level. Uh, I mean, again, we talked, you know, before what, what Ben Simmons was missing, Durant clearly has. And that's the alpha dog mentality. Give me the ball. And we know how good of a shooter he can be, how good of a rhythm shooter he can be. And he just caught fire and, and, and went off. So, you know, if Milwaukee loses, then, then yeah, I think it's going to be a long offseason. They, they may blow the whole thing up. I mean, and try to rebuild around Giannis. That wouldn't surprise me. But um, I wouldn't write them off just yet. five-point favorites tonight at home. Uh, been there. They take care of business. The Nets are still shorthanded and, and could lose the thing in seven. So they have a chance to salvage it. But but you're right. I think a second round exit really would make management take a look this summer.
1: Uh, they really have to. I think uh, they're either going to build around them or let them go and and build again or or something along those lines. But they really have to make a decision. We look at at the West. Phoenix obviously taking care of business early. Um, and thank God they did with um, Chris Paul with his COVID issues. Um, you know, they, they get to get that out of the way and hopefully he's healthy and, and okay. Um, and then you look at this Utah series and Utah has gone through what Billy is going through with the as the top seed. The only difference is with Utah, um, we talked about the, the, uh, the seeds You live by the jump shot, you die by it. Defensively, uh, they hadn't gotten it done. I think the Clips, even without Kawhi, have some confidence. What do you see in this series? Do you think the Clips go back to L.A. and end this thing uh, against Utah?
6: I don't know because I thought the Jazz were going to take care of business last night. You know, all, all side. I mean, they got whooped in Game Four. Whooped. Uh, I figured they, you know, lick their wounds, go back on their home floor. they got a great home record over the years this season as well and, and take care of a shorthanded Clippers team, but they didn't. And, and, and kudos to Paul George and, and the guys that are still standing over there. Uh, we'll see because Utah has not looked good, as you mentioned, on the defensive end. They haven't looked good overall, really, the last two games. The momentum is with the Clippers, with or without Kawhi. Uh It'd be good for the Clippers. It would, because, you know, we know about their their history, their, their recent history, their, their franchise history. Um, you know, it seems like there's always some storyline with free agency there in the offseason. They always seem to come up short of expectations. Um, but if they get it done, go on to the West Finals, that, that's, that's I think, a, a, a win for the new regime, at least, in year number one. There's their chances against the Suns, who knows? Um, But but then again, you know, Donovan Mitchell, maybe he he gets back in that early series rhythm he was in where he was unstoppable in games one and two. Um, You know, now his back is to the wall, right? He's he's considered a superstar. He's considered one of the league's best all-around players, one of the league's best scorers. Uh, Let's see if he can will his team to a victory on the road in a two-or-die spot. I I think that's the most intriguing storyline is how well Mitchell is going to play, particularly if the game's tight in the second half, uh, moving forward with that series.
1: Yeah, he's got to get to the basket. Six for 19, the, the struggles that he had, like you said, the last couple of games is, is, is crucial for Utah to, to, to win. Uh, uh, just a follow-up on that series, um, and just in the West, who can win without their star player, the Clippers without Kawhi or Phoenix without Chris Paul?
6: Well, I correct me if I'm wrong, La, but, but I think the Paul thing might be just for the next few days. I think that's what that I'm was, saying. A,
1: right, I'm just saying a scenario if Paul goes down, let's say, and Kawhi okay. is, is out for a while, who can win without their star player?
6: That would be worst case scenario for Phoenix, I think. Uh, right, because because Paul Paul has been the guy, the guy throughout this postseason. Um, and and rightfully so. He's a man on a mission. You know, the only thing missing uh, from the resume is a ring or at least a trip to the finals. He's a man on a mission right now. Uh, I I think he'll play. I I hope he plays. I think it's better for the series, better for the league if he does. Uh, But, again, worst case scenario, if he does not play, then we'll see. Who becomes the creator? Who becomes the go-to guy then for Phoenix? Because everything has revolved around Paul, not just his playoff run. Um, but, but all, all regular season as well. I mean, Booker, obviously, is, is, is probably the guy you would go to in that spot. Can he play a little bit more of the one? Can he dictate the offense? Can he become more of a floor general than just a scoring two guard? Um, and then, you know, as far as the Clippers, I don't know. I mean, we've only seen one game. So far, so good. Paul George becomes the, the unquestioned option there moving forward. Um, you know, they got Rondo in that mix, I don't think that's a coincidence that they're doing well. Um, You you know, in whatever role he's in, he seems like he ends up on a winner every June or or whatever. So uh, it'd be intriguing. I I think Phoenix probably would would have a little bit more uh, variables, some more unanswered questions in terms of, of what that offense looks like. Uh, with with Booker really in charge, as opposed to, I think, the Clippers would run everything, most likely to Paul George, and see if they can get it done on the defensive end, on the glass, like they were able to do in Game 5.
1: Yeah, and he did well. And just so uh, people texting in, uh, wanting an update, I guess people missing. Harden's in, Irvin's out for Game 6, Brooklyn-Milwaukee just for those who text and, and asked or emailed and asked the question. One other thing before we go to the Celtics, uh, Nick, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle's out after thirteen seasons. Obviously you remember him or uh, you know, Celtic fans remember him playing up there in the the bench role there but winning the title um with Dirk and and, and the Mavs. Um it it but I mean it's been a while for that title, number one. Uh, number two, they've had some early exits most recently. So is he resigning, or do you think Mark Cuban saying it's time to move on to a new direction?
6: Uh, he's one of the best coaches in the league, so I hope it's not Cuban, because I think Cuban's making a mistake if that's the case. Um, look, they, they, they won the title, right, and completely rebuilt – uh, overexceeded expectations from last year by getting in the playoffs. Uh, he's developed Luca obviously to to his max potential. Um, it's still a young team overall in a loaded Western Conference. So I, I don't think these early exits necessarily should be should be held against him. Uh, but
1: I, the, I'm yeah. wondering though if this the reason why I asked the question is because of what you said. He's got Luka. Who doesn't want to coach that that guy and that young team? They certainly need to build uh, around him. They need help to give him some help. Um, But who would want to leave when you got arguably one of the top three players in the NBA right now?
6: Well, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe Carlisle uh, just has had enough. You know, that's possible. Burnt out. uh, Wants to take a few years off. We've seen that he's been there a long time. He's one of the longest tenured coaches in the NBA. Uh, Mm. He's paid his dues. You know, he's accomplished what he needed to accomplish. Um, You know, if he steps aside, feels that itch in a couple years, uh, he's not going to have. You know, he's not going to have a problem finding another job. I don't think. So, uh, who knows? I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, family-wise, personally. You know, personal personnel-wise. you know, that, that maybe we're not privy, privy to in the media. So so who knows? Um, they better get it right, though. You know, it, it's easy to, to get rid of a guy and then think that you can just plug somebody in and pick up where they left off. Uh, we've seen that buy, backfire time and time again. So that'll be an intriguing off, off-season storyline. Who who get, uh, gets that job? Whether it's Calipari or <laughs> whoever. It, it's, I think it's going to be fun, the, uh, the coaching carousel this summer
1: yeah it, it is and uh you're right i mean he won the title you get a mulligan for quite some time you win a championship then you you get a pass um especially since he's made the nba they may have had some some early exits but they continue to make the, the the playoffs which is important uh speaking of uh you look at this celtics team I really wanted you on last week and I know we had uh you, you had some stuff going on, but man, I did did anybody see the coaching change the resignation of Danny Ainge and, and all that, all of this kind of happened. I didn't expect any of that. You and I had talked about this coach and if they struggle, does he get a pass? Will he be back? We talked about that. You said maybe give him a year whatever. I know Mike Patton has said some other things um, and, and sort of agree with you. Um, but I didn't see – I can see Danny Ainge resigning after a while and whatever. I've Just like with Carlisle, I've, I accomplished stuff. I brought a title. I put Boston back, the Celtics back on the map, that type of thing. I can see that. But I didn't see him leaving and the coach taking his spot, now looking for another coach. Did you see that coming? And what's your thoughts on all of it?
6: I do Not think anybody up here saw it coming. I think that's that's how tight they kept that in the front office. Um and, and it appears like that is the uh the story with Age. Uh, I think he's just tapped out. Uh he's getting a little bit older now. He may or may not be back down the road. Remember he's he's had other stops uh in the league. He was the head coach of the Phoenix Suns before he came uh to Boston. Right. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if he re- resurfaced somewhere down the line, somewhere else. Um, but but I don't think he steps aside unless Brad is on board with taking over. So that that just goes to show you what management thinks of Brad Stevens. They I, I think they think highly of him. Right.
4: Um,
6: you, you know what I mean. So so the whole hot seat thing it appears was was just smoke and mirrors. Um, you know what happens next season. What happens from here on out is is you know a whole other story. He may not be safe for long, but right now. Uh, It appears like he got the blessing of his boss to take his boss's job. So you're doing something right, if that's the case, in any profession. So we'll see who now Brad, apparently, is going to handpick. Because, uh, you know, he's going to have a lot of influence in in that decision. So it'll be interesting up here, personnel-wise. You know, we've gotten into that all year. Uh, What this team needs, what the roster, you know, may or may not look like come October. But uh, but first things first. I think that the the coaching selection will be interesting, for sure. And, and we know it's going to be pre-approved, rubber-stamped by uh, by Brad Stevens himself.
1: What with him having—he's a young guy, and you know, um, it, it, making it to a college championship and and doing the things and and having the the success with the Celtics being like you said in good graces with the organization he's still a young inexperienced guy especially at this particular position um do you think how how much success you think he will have and what will the roster look like if you really look at who was sort of in the doghouse who didn't really get to play, um, the rotations. He gets to decide who's going to be back based on contracts and all that. And then the, th- the third part of that, if you will, uh, what are you hearing in terms of who's going to be his replacement?
6: Well, we'll start with, with the, the roster. Um, obviously, nobody knows that roster better than him. We know that. Right. Him. He and have always seemingly on the exact same page. Anyway, there is you know you've never heard a rumbling or a story or a report where those two were were at odds ever. So yeah, from from that perspective, I don't I don't expect a whole lot to change. Um, again, he's in charge, so whatever does happen doesn't happen this summer. Uh, we know it, it's coming from his corner office now. Um, So I think based on if you want to go back, look at guys' minutes, look at their roles, um, especially towards the end of the year, I think we may have a pretty good indication on on who's safe and who's not, so to speak, based on that. As far as your replacement goes, I mean, we've heard anything, uh, everything and anything pretty much uh, the last week or so. The Calipari thing I think is interesting, Um, just – just from a basketball perspective, to see him back in the NBA after staying with the Nets, after you know going back and forth before, I think that would be interesting. Obviously, he has a local tie up here, being that he was a coach at UMass in the early 90s. Um, that would be, I think, a, a Celtics fan's uh, delight, I think. I think a lot of people would be on board with that. I don't know if that's close to happening or, or, or what. Because, again, I think it's anybody's guess. But uh, in terms of possibilities, I think that's the most intriguing one from a Boston sports perspective.
1: I, I, you know, if I'm a fan, I'd be worried about him quitting. I mean, the Nets, there's the the example there. Um, But, you know, it would be intriguing uh, to see if he is the the guy, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't bring in, bring him in, but I could see the excitement part of it. The success he's had obviously at Memphis and Kentucky and even at, at UMass, like you said, uh, getting, you know, the, uh, the the men to the tournament, uh, the way he, he did. Um, with, with that being said, uh, what does this roster look like in terms of the rotation or, or the philosophy? We we talked about how you have, you know, uh, some talent, but you don't have all the talent sort of on the same page. Maybe this year was an aberration. But, but how does that kind of fit? W- what philosophy do you think he's going to bring and have the coach bring um to next season,
6: well so it seems like small ball is is the approach. Load up the roster with guards, see if you can get up and down the floor, um, you know score hundred and twenty points and win that, that That seems to be the brand that Brad Stevens has endorsed. How do big right. men fit in? How do big men fit in I, I think I think we're still trying to figure that out. You know, you've got to defend the pick and roll. You've got to be a good screen setter. You've got to be able to slip to the rim. you got to rebound uh, <clears> Tristan <throat> Thompson. <clears throat> you got to, <laughs> excuse me, protect the rim, Tristan Thompson. Um, you know, the, I, I don't know. I don't know how big men fit in to that scheme. And I think that speaks to the larger question of how big men fit in in the current NBA. You know, are you a stretch four? Can, can, can you shoot the three? Can you face up? Can you store and transition? Can you get out and run? Um, I, I think big men themselves are, are trying, to, still trying, to, to figure out how exactly they fit in in this new wide-open NBA. Um, but in terms of philosophy, again, it should it should probably uh, stay the same. You know, they'll, they'll draft some guards, uh, create competition behind the backcourt starters, uh, see if they can build defensively. That was the most Uh, up-and-down aspect of the season was their performance, I think, on defense. Um, You know, how much more, you know, how do they value Marcus Smart moving forward, I think is an underrated question. Uh, He's got some miles on him now for an undersized guard who, as we've talked about, is on the floor all the time, taking charges, uh, you know, et cetera. How much does he have left in the tank? So, and then, of course, the Kemba question, as we've talked about extensively, what role does he play exactly, uh, especially on offense? So those are the big the big questions from um, not just a personnel perspective but a philosophical perspective as well. Uh, moving into this off season,
1: um, before you go, I wanted to quickly ask two questions—a two-part question—as uh, we switch the baseball real quick. First. Again, 69 games in or so, another 100 games or so to go uh, in the season, and and Boston looks really good. They've won three in a row. They were in first place. Tampa kind of overtook them. Tampa's lost the last. The Yankees have been miserable. It's it's amazing they even over 500 uh, the way uh, they have played uh, in their last 20 games, really. Um, but uh, uh, assess these um, ALEs, and then this this whole notion from both players and pitchers who are saying different things in regards to the ball and how Major League. I know I've seen some hitters uh, <laughs> say stuff about you know the ball being uh, changed in order to help pitchers in a contract year based on free agents that'll be free agent next next year i've heard pitchers said no we're doing we're just out there pitching our our butts off what what say you on that debate because obviously uh pitching is definitely uh with all these with no hitters pitching has definitely been you know the dominance of, of baseball thus far
6: mm. We'll start with the East. Uh, for years and years and years, obviously, the, the most feared team up here was the Yankees. Uh, now it's Toronto. Now now there's the, you know, it, if you ask the average Red Sox fan on the street who's going to win the East, they're going to tell you Toronto. Wow. Um, it seems like that lineup is, is loaded. We'll see about the pitching. We always know that they they're... You know, the first 80 or so games they are competitive, and then they seem to drop off over the second half of the year. Uh, this group, though, appears different. I mean, they slapped the Red Sox over the weekend um, to the two and 18 to four on Sunday. So they, they can score in bunches. they do have some pop up and down that lineup. I think their question is going to be the, the consistency of the, of the pitching. Uh, a, a coworker of mine, I think put it best earlier this week. He said, I think we know who the Red Sox are. They're a good team that's going to beat the teams that they should beat and lose to the teams that they should lose to. So somewhere around 500, slightly above 500, in the hunt for one of those wild cards seems about right. Um, You know, the big question was the pitching. It seems like, again, it it started red hot in April, came a little bit back down to earth in May, and has been inconsistent since. So I think the jury's still out. On, on how consistent the Sox pitching can be. Sprinkle in some injuries to the rotation, which really has been an issue uh, since last season, all year this year and, and last year.
4: Uh, right.
6: And it's, a great, it's really a great unknown. So, you know, they're going to score runs. We knew that. We know that. Um, you know, it, they've had a good record away from Fenway Park. They've beaten teams who, who they're better than on paper. Um, and that sounds about right. You know, if, if they win 85 games or so, they'll they'll probably be in the hunt for that uh, one of those wild card spots. Uh, the Yankees, I mean, you tell me. Um, you know, because because they, they're five hunter they're going to win. They're they're going to score runs, similar to the Red Sox. Pitching unknown, pitching outright bad, right? It, it, more often than not. Um, lineup somewhat inconsistent as well, especially lately, as you touched on. Um, I don't know. Somehow, I, I, I really hesitate to write them off. I know that. I think they'll be in that wild card mix, if not in the divisional mix. But but to answer your question, I think Toronto is the most feared team up here. And, and that includes a lot of respect for what the Rays have done. The Rays, they, as they always do, they quietly go about and, and, and just handle their business, always with a small payroll, uh, always quietly winning 90-plus games. I, I think that's you know, that's that's probably the case again this year. It's a deep division. It really is. There's four teams that you can make a case. We'll, we'll all be playing postseason baseball, potentially. Um, you know, you can make that argument. As far as, you know, are, are the pitchers doctoring the balls? Uh, maybe. You know, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be willing to listen. I, I'm not sure exactly what goes into that. Uh, I do know that last year the home run numbers were off the charts and nobody was really talking about it. The scoring was way up last year. I know last year is last year. It was only 60 games, et cetera, but they were, the hitters were bashing last year. So it, it kind of went from one extreme to another. Um, and, and we'll see. You know, sometimes the bats are behind the pitching anyway, but not usually by, mid, by mid-June. By mid-June, you know, hitters are, are back in rhythm. Uh, back in their routine, et cetera. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think that's, that that probably is, is a big off-season agenda item that, that I think we'll find more more about over the course of the second half of the season. And then once, you know, sit down at the table in the off-season and, and try to iron out both sides, um, you know, we'll have a more complete picture, I think, at that point.
1: I, I just, just want to add, though, I, I don't know if it was Joey Bottle or – one of the very uh, well-known, talented players had said, it's not just the pitchers, it's Major League Baseball that is adjusting the balls and saying that, look, um, uh, based on – I mean, I, I don't know, but he the, the, he was making a point. I can't remember who it was, and I have to look it up. He was making a point that based on those who are going to be free agents next year um, – whether it's if it's pitchers, then they want to make sure the pitchers are doing well. If it's the hitting that's good, they want to make sure the hitters are doing well. It's a it's a strong but very vague accusation. Um, right. But I mean, if 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 MLB has been known to do some things, but I, it's a hard case to make. Nick, if, if MLB, if baseball itself is involved in doctoring these balls to make sure the pitchers are, are dominating the hitters? I, I don't
6: know. That, that seems like a, a real stretch because right. as, we've, as we've seen in the past, Major League Baseball likes the home run ball. It's what brought them back from the strike in the mid-'90s, was that home run chase, as we know, in 98. But they turned a blind eye to what was going on with the steroids. Um, And, again, it goes back to that philosophy we talked about across sports. The league wants higher scoring games, regardless of sport. So I find it hard to believe that they're going to launch this cloak and dagger campaign to help out the pitchers. It just doesn't seem to make sense uh, from a dollars and, and cents perspective. Bare minimum. But, but who knows? I'm an amateur. I don't know a whole lot about what, what goes into that. I've, I've heard some interviews, et cetera. Um, I'd like to find out a little bit more before I can weigh in hard on one side or the other. But, but that conspiracy theory doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense on the surface.
1: Right. That's a stretch. That's what I said. It's a, it's a real – it's a strong accusation, but it's hard to even – fathom, like you said, but even let alone prove uh, from from the standpoint of the player. Nick, as always, my man, I appreciate you. You be safe, be well. I'll talk with you uh, next week, sir.
6: Thank you, LA. Have a good one.
1: You too. Nick Anastas on the Baskin News Radio Show.
6: Strictly nice things and things and things. We're in for that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, right about now, you're listening to the sounds of the super rocking DJ E Kim. And what we gonna do right about now? Is take a trip to the
4: past on this old school R&B part one. You heard? Hey.
6: Things and things to things. I say honey, shake your hip, daddy, can't flip. On it, one to two turntables, get ripped. that. Try this. This is action, woo. E-givers now with the national. I say honey, shake your hip, daddy, can't flip. On it, one to two turntables, get ripped. that. this. is action, eat E-givers now with the
4: national.
1: When the name of this one it's all.
0: right ahead.